0: This week, uh, I hope that you've been thinking about a fresh start, Uh, maybe a fresh start in your career or a fresh start in your finances or a fresh start in a project or a relationship or a diet or whatever it is that you might be working on, Uh, maybe even a fresh start in your relationship with God. Uh, Over the last year, that certainly describes a lot of what we've been praying for, right? Uh, What I wanted to tell you today, kind of just in review of last week and moving to next week is, it is never too late for a fresh start. Because I know what happened. Some of you got excited about a fresh start, and you've been thinking about it. And you wrote me about it, and man, I really appreciate that. And some of you are like one of the texts that I got this week that said, uh, oh, it's probably too late for my fresh start. No, it's not. It's not. The thing about fresh starts is that a fresh start is not limited to one group of people. I mean, it's not limited to adults. I mean, kids need fresh starts. Teenagers need fresh starts. If you uh, missed the sermon last week, I just encourage you to go back this week and listen uh, to that as as we kind of connect to it this week. Fresh starts are not even really limited to Christians. I mean, if you're here this morning and you're maybe visiting the church or you're watching online and hadn't been a, it's been a while for you, or you're just checking out God and you're maybe kind of outside of what Christianity uh, is all about, uh, maybe you're a little curious, there's a fresh start waiting for you as well. I mean, I know a lot of people here who are Christians. Uh, maybe you're looking for that spiritual fresh start, you feel like your spiritual life has been on a treadmill, and you feel like you're moving, but you're not getting anywhere. You ever feel like that? I certainly have felt that over these last months. Uh, you're a follower of Jesus, but your relationship feels a little dry or parched, and you're desperate for something deeper and more meaningful in your relationship with God. You arrive at church today or watching online, and you're expecting to experience something. You get caught up in worship or a song or a message. Basically, you're looking for something, some external motivation to kind of jumpstart your relationship with God. If any of that describes you at all, welcome to the human race. That's what we're about, right, in a fallen world. We're always looking for fresh starts. That's why most of us are kind of addicted to anything new. We love new, don't we? We love new because when it's new, it just feels like maybe this is the one. This is new. This week I was in a store, and there was this display, and it was a bottle of Tide detergent. And it said, new and improved. You know, it was new and improved when I was a kid. I mean, how many times can they new and improve it? Uh, eventually, you think it'd be like liquid gold or something, but it's not new. I mean, it's just marketing. You know, somebody ran their hand through it and said, oh, it's new. Uh, so, you know, I brushed my teeth this morning with Crest that says new. You know, it tastes exactly the same as the last tube I had. Uh, it said new, so we love that, and you love new. And you know what? Here's the good news. God loves new, too. God's all about new. As you think about all creation and about the new birth and the new life and the new relationships with him, here's the deal. God sees the new that is ahead of us. God sees what could be new for you and for us, and he wants us to get there. A couple of the verses that we looked at last week, um, God said, I'll save the people of Joseph. I know their pain, and I'll give them I'll make them as good as new. They'll get a fresh start as if nothing ever happened. Why? Because I'm their God, and I'll do what needs to be done for them. Zechariah 10, 6. The Lord says, do not cling to the events of the past, and do not dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do, and it's happening already. Just look and see it's starting now. That's Isaiah 43, where God says to Isaiah, I've got something new for you. Is there any part of your life right now where you feel like you need something new, that you feel dry, like something new, with, the, with, with that in mind, you can, you can see that. I'm about to do something new in verse 19. And I'm, it's already started. So he's, he's working on that. Also wanted you to, to see a little more about this man Isaiah. A verse that, that I've been walking with for a little while is uh, from Isaiah. Uh, well, first of all, the last verse I mentioned last week was be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. So that's kind of what we've been talking about. Now, an example of that is in Isaiah uh, chapter 6. Um, now, I want you to think a little more. Isaiah is a. Uh, man from the Old Testament scripture. Uh, If you want to read a little more about him, you know, it has a very creative name. The name is the book of Isaiah. So uh, Isaiah is recording in chapter six, a vision, a personal vision that involves God in his life and his relationship. And it's one of the great fresh starts of the Bible and you're going to see how this is a fresh start. And then, we're, uh, going to, and then I'm going to give you some examples uh, in my life and in some other examples today that I hope that you can apply. Now, here's Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him, were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings. They covered their faces, they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook with the temple. It was filled with smoke. This is Isaiah talking. He says, Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs, that's an angel, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Do you notice in this passage that the motivation of what was happening in Isaiah was that he saw the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. Did did you feel the Lord's presence in this room as we were singing and worshiping today? It was electric in here. I feel his presence. You know, to move forward in a fresh start has to start with God our encounter with God, bringing him close. You know, I'm not going to be able just to close my eyes and hope for the very best. I need to have a moment with God to be moved in my heart. Do you hear him say, he could hear them worshiping. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. He is stirred. He saw God. Are you stirred? Are you motivated to allow him to bring about change? Now notice, God was working in his heart but then he began to see himself. You ever see yourself? Once you see God, it's not always a pretty sight, is it? Woe to me, he says. I am ruined. He's recognizing his brokenness, his need for that fresh start. And once he receives the healing, the forgiveness, the help that Christ offers him, he says, Whom will go? Here am I send me see all the strategy for a fresh start in the world will not compensate for a lack of worship a lack of prayer a lack of fasting we are called to be a people with a heart moved toward god there must be anointing from god if all that is not blanketed in prayer and in meditation on god and his will everything that we try to accomplish in our own strength will eventually fall flat right one one example Some of you, many of you, have said, uh, "You know what? What happened to you on sabbatical?" So I'm I'm in this process of kind of unloading this truck a little bit at a time because I don't want to drown us. But I've been praying about our church, about reconnecting, about moving forward. And the Spirit of the Lord has been saying to me, "What about you, Pastor? What about your responsibility for reaching people for Christ?" See, I came back and I was thinking. I wonder who goes to this church anymore. Have you felt that? Have you felt that at home? You know, so I've been, um, I've been doing some work on that. Um, you know, I put together what, uh, what I call the fresh start list. Uh, who have we connected with in the last couple of months here? Or who have I connected with since I've been back here? Do you know that there was 822 people on that list? I have their names. That's a lot of people coming out of pandemic. That doesn't count all of our youth group kids. I just got that list today. Uh, I I I read this quote. It said, we have become increasingly isolated as we fumble the ball on how to communicate in a way that builds relationships that lead to discipleship. Now, I'm going to tell you my story, but I figured if I'm the pastor and the Lord's talking to me about this, I think he's talk, he wants to talk to you about it. So connecting to people in our everyday life, looking around at the people that we meet and see around us. The Lord is asking me, who am I meeting that is lost? You know, I do a pretty good job of connecting to people that come to church here. Right? Like if, if, if you're new here, and you fill out one of those communication cards, if you're willing to let me know who you are, I'm going to reach out to you because I'm so happy that you came today. I've been reaching out to all of you. Some, one of you in this room said, um, Pastor, I, I never respond to those texts you sent out to us. I said, that's all right. You know that I was thinking of you. It's important. But sometimes I notice that we use Christian insider language that starts to become the language of the church as a whole. And in that way, churches become like groups of people that are almost completely lost the ability to connect and converse with people that are different from us. People that are like pre-Christians, right? Most people, most importantly, the people that don't know Christ. I, I think a lot of times we pass the task of reaching others in evangelism off to the next, per- next person. So maybe it's kind of purely subconscious, but many of us don't have that Im- important role of connecting to lost people as an intention in the forefront of our minds. Are-, are you with me right now? Come on, catch up. Maybe it's because we are afraid that people will be offended. Maybe it's because we think we are incapable because we are not equipped. Or maybe many of us think that the problem is not urgent. I remember when we were were talking about neighboring. Remember when we did that series? You know, I I was upset that I didn't know more of my neighbors. I mean, goodness, I'm the pastor. But I didn't know them all. I've done way better, really well. But whatever the reason is, We Christians are not, are we creating intentional relationships with lost people as we should be? As Christians who are followers of Jesus, do you know that Jesus was the perfect model of how to converse with people that are not only lost but are vastly different than us? I mean, if Christianity is going to progress, if we're going to get back to the core of what we're supposed to be doing as a church, Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission, which is essentially his vision statement as to what followers of Jesus are to be doing, uh, that he told us that after he ascended, this is what we're going to be doing. He says we are to make disciples, baptize, and teach, and that he would be with us to the very end of the age. So as a faith community, we focus, we must focus, right, on the things that Jesus focused on making followers of Jesus, that we make more followers, that we baptize into the family of God, that we teach the Word of God. So looking at, a, looking at our use of time and money will tell us a lot about our priorities. I mean, Christians and churches, we have to look at how we spend our money and how we spend our time and to be honest with, with us about what's valuable to us. Not what we say should be valuable, but what is actually valuable to us, revealed in how we use our stuff and our time. The, the reason I bring all that up is that, I mean, all Christians combined, a lot of times we end up focusing on minors rather than the majors, and they take priority. So we wonder why we lose relationships with other believers that with through minor differences or uh, unintentional uh, reaching out or caring for them. It's because we build a Christian culture based around the world's values around us and valuing the wrong te- things. So let's talk about the idea of culture. Uh, one of the books that I went to actually that I read right as sabbatical started. Uh, one of my topics at the beginning was understanding the culture better so i began to read that man the lord convicted me so much you see culture is a term that is used often and a lot of different interpretations we use phrases like the culture of the world or worldly culture You know, you hear corporations talk about their work culture. We hear about other nations talk about their culture. We talk about culture in relationship to music and entertainment. Like, you ever heard anybody say the pop culture? You know, so that what is that culture around us? We even hear the word in a lot of Christian circles, especially churches. What is your church culture? You know, I visited, visited uh, six or eight churches uh, while we were there, and I certainly don't mean to, to imply that I understand their culture after one visit, but it was a lot of things I noticed. Like when you don't go anywhere, when you're here for the first time, a lot of times you, you see things like that. And, and some things were really highly valued and other things not so much. It's a great thing to talk about culture because culture really encompasses the depth of our human experience. So culture plays a part in who we spend time with, how we work, how we play, how we live in our homes, how we function within religious circles. You know, marketing firms spend millions of dollars trying to capture and create a culture that would get you to buy their stuff. Businesses spend countless hours, large amounts of money to develop an attractive culture that would draw top talent. Artists, musicians, filmmakers, they seek to create culture. Even churches get on the bandwagon and and think about uh, trying to create a a culture. A lot of times the church has been reactive to the world's already established culture. So what I'm saying is you got Apple and Google and Beyonce and Netflix and all the mega churches on TV trying trying to capitalize on creation Creating culture. So here's the question. Why are we as Christian individuals not thinking more about the culture that we create, that I create? Before we get you know, into personal culture, that's really what I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, let me just talk about culture in general. The word culture originated in France. It's derived from a Latin word, colere, which means to tend to the earth or to cultivate or nurture something in order for it to grow. Now, that sounds way different than what we mean by pop culture, but think about it. I mean, if you really think about that definition, it is essentially saying that to make something grow and flourish, we must tend to it and cultivate it. Cultivation takes time. Cultivation takes knowledge and hard work and intentionality. This lets you know that The creation or the changing of culture is a process that will take intentional hard work. So it's easy for us to become isolated in our Christian culture. Just nod your head and say, yes, pastor. It is easy for us to get isolated inside our Christian culture. Or we compromise our integrity from our pressure from the worldly culture. Either way, we move into very dangerous compromises that could be a problem. And the problem might be in the environment that we create around us, both in our personal interaction with others and how we communicate. Do you know that I believe God can use anyone that is humble and willing? Most people don't care how cool you are. They just want to be loved, known, and valued. Isn't that true for you? Loving people in a biblical way will lead them to Christ. Loving people in a biblical way will lead them to Christ. I think we know that, but do we live it out? So to be able to reach people, we must start to understand how people and cultures are comprised and how they work. Uh, Maybe one of our biggest problems is that in the Christian culture that we don't intentionally create it. We just kind of let the culture happen to us and the values that are going on around us. So what would happen if Christians, as individuals, PFN, Summit, Southside, our network, started to take our cultural contribution to the greater body more seriously? Now, let's be realistic. I don't think we're ever going to completely change the culture of the world. I think Jesus said something about us not being able to do that. But we can change, or let me say, I can change the culture within the personal sphere of my influence. So this is my fresh start. How do I create a personal culture that affects the people that I come into contact with within the culture of the world? Now let me give you an example. Jesus came and he changed the personal culture of disciples and followers and they changed the world. You remember? They were fishermen. And he said, Now... You will be fishers of men. You know what he did? He changed their focus. He changed their direction. He said things like, a new commandment I give to you. Now, they already had ten, right? We got the ten commandments. But he says, I got a new one for you. Love one another. That your and my personal culture is to love one another. Now, sometimes when I read people that talk about that particular verse, a lot of times they want to say, well, that's just talking about church people. No way. Do you believe that? No, he says, love one another. He's talking about all the people inside of your sphere of influence. Think about that. Then he said, John 13, 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love One another. So let's talk about cultivating personal culture. Personal culture, this is a term that means the attitude and the actions that we develop and the practices that we have when we're around Christians and non believers. The idea. That if businesses and churches work hard to create a culture of relationship and progress, individual Christians like you and me should be doing the very same thing. Personal culture, in a most practical way, is how do we engage with the people that are around us? It's, It's how we find out about other people's values and dreams and how we create relationships that lead to pointing people toward Christ. Good personal culture involves integrity, honestly, and most importantly, a love for others, a personal culture from a repentant heart that follows Christ. One one way to define repentance is change the way you think and act. We think about it sometimes just as repenting and being forgiven, but the full action of repenting is choosing to go in the direction that removes us from sin and darkness, And so if I'm going to change my personal culture, I must choose to be a part of Jesus' culture. Not only to turn from sin, but to adopt his heart and follow his direction in leading others toward Christ. So it's a it's a connection with Christ and a desire to follow his commands. So this is where we find it in personal experiences. So let, let me just give you some examples. You you look you look shell shocked uh, this morning. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, let me give you some examples. Okay, Corey is a friend of mine, and he's a pastor. And so Corey uh, decided about the time we were we were starting Summit, Corey was talking about starting a new church through his congregation, and I I knew about that and I talked to him a little bit about it, and so. Corey was brave, man. They wanted to start a new church in the least Christian area that they could find. And so, uh, Corey's from Tennessee, and he, they decided to start a church or to unite with a church, sort of like we did with Summit. Uh, the, they were going to unite with this church, and they decided that Salem, Massachusetts— was where they were going to go. They found out that 1% of the population goes to church in Salem, Massachusetts. So they got together. They found this congregation. They connected with them, him and the pastor and and some of the leaders there. They gathered their church about $10,000, and he went to Salem to visit them and to begin this connection with this new church. So they were happy to receive the $10,000, right? But they had some requirements. So Corey said, let's, uh, let's go downtown Salem. So they go walking downtown Salem, and they're walking along, and he's seeing all the sites that are there, and there's a coffee shop right there. Corey loves coffee. He said, you ever been in this coffee shop? Talking to the pastor from Salem. He said, a few times. And he said, let's, let's go have some coffee. So they walk in the coffee shop, and Corey is talking it up with the barista and uh, other people that are there. So he is, uh, and he noticed, he looks around, and there's the pastor from the Salem church, some, some people from Corey's church, and some, a few people from the church in Salem. And they're all in the coffee shop together. And you know, the only person talking is Corey. The only person kind of interacting with anybody is Corey. So he told them, you, you got to know the people. If you come in this coffee shop, you need to know those people. So um, everything got started well with them. Um, that afternoon... Corey noticed a sign in Salem that said Satan Museum. Now, if you know Corey, he immediately told his staff, We're going there. He's a little edgy. And so they go off to the Satan Museum. So they're wandering around looking in there. And he meets this guy inside there. And turns out, he didn't know it at the time, but it turns out that this guy's the curator of the Satan Museum. And ain't that the job to have? He's a curator there. So Corey is just talking to him. He's got all these questions. He wanted to know how he got involved in this and where he came from and all, all these questions that are going on. And so this goes on for 15 minutes. And then the guy said, by the way, who are you? He said, well, I'm a pastor from Tennessee. <laughs> the curator just, I mean, he fell on the floor laughing. He could not believe he was having this conversation uh, with him. So they hit it off. They connected. Um, about a month or so later, uh, Corey was back in Salem to meet the church board to kind of make the contractual arrangements of helping with this church. Uh, they went he, he's at that same coffee shop, him and the pastor, and in the door walks this guy. And immediately he looks at the table and he said, Hey, it's the pastor from Middle Tennessee. Corey says, It's the Satan priest. I love that. You know what happened? Those people that were sitting right there could not believe that one encounter in a museum had connected those two guys, that Corey had made an impact on this guy in Salem. Uh, oh, it goes on. Um, hey, camera guys, can I walk? <laughs> We're still figuring that out. Um, one day, uh, there were some people back when we used to have a crowd at the restaurant. Uh, there was a, there was a group of people at, at the restaurant um, Applebee's. So they're at Applebee's, and everybody's just sitting there and they're waiting. I don't know if y'all were eating already or what situation. They're waiting for tables, I think. And so um, there's there's this man here from our church that has a very personal culture of being open to, to meet people. So they're sitting there, and he meets a guy named Mark Stevens. Y'all go to church today? Talking to Mark and Jenny. Oh, no, we don't go to church. You know, that's really not a part of our life there. Oh, you should know about our church. And so he's talking to him, befriended him in a powerful way. And Mark and Jenny Stevens... Came a part of our church. What a difference. I mean, where would we be today without Mark and Jenny Stevens? I mean, just because they just had a conversation while they were waiting for a table at Applebee's. I met this guy named Dave. Dave came to church here a couple of times. He was visiting with a friend. They came. He came to a special event. And uh, I met him. You know, sometimes I meet people and I think, man, I need a friend like that. Like, I think I got a lot of friends that are, that kind of fit me well, but I don't have a lot of friends that just have a, um, just have a a background, have a, and so I I met this guy, and I knew his name, and as I often do, I put him on a prayer list, and I had this list, and I read those lists sometimes and I, so that I have these names in my, in my mind uh, when, I, when I meet people. And so uh, I talked to him, but I hadn't talked to him in quite a while. And then one day, it was the Marigold Festival. And so I'm not, I mean, it's fine that we, I'm not a fan of arts and crafts, all that walking in the mud and all that, you know. So, um, but I'm out there because I love my wife, and so I'm out there, and I have no idea where she is right now. She's, you know, she's doing her thing, and I'm just walking around, basically watching people. So I'm walking, you know, you know those big alleyways where you got the arts and crafts on one side and on the other side, and I'm walking on the left down here. I'm just looking at people, and I notice, I know God helped me to see a few tents on the other side of this little intersection we were coming to, I noticed and I saw this guy, and I thought, oh, I know him. And so I can't think of his name right now, but I'm beginning to make my way over to the right. And so I'm walking over there, and so by the time we get close to that little intersection right there, I'm, I'm face-to-face with him, and by the time I get face-to-face with him, it comes out of my mouth. I said, hey, Dave Milam. He describes that day as a day that moved. I mean, where would we be without Dave Milo? What a difference God made just by intentionality and paying attention. So I thought, I I got back here, and I've been thinking about personal culture. So I've been thinking, you can roll on ahead there. Um, I've been thinking about these people in my life. So I go to this one place. I've been going there for 14 years, and I've seen this one lady there many times. I mean, I'm sure I've been there 50, 100 times. I don't even know. You know, I get a my favorite thing is just to get a beverage there. You know, it's a I'm not even going to tell you where it is. I'll get in trouble. Um, but I thought. I know this lady, so I'm driving up there, and I pull in, and I hear her on the speaker, and I know it's her, and so uh, I go walking up there, and there's a long line, and so all I ordered was a drink, and so she's bringing it out to me, and I said, uh, I said, you know, I have seen you so many times. I just went, what is your name? And she told me, and so her name's Angie, and so I started, I talked to Angie, I asked her a couple of questions, I got there, man, I was, I, I drove away, woo, that was awesome. So I went the next day. (laughs) I couldn't wait. So I'm back there the next day. She wasn't there. So I meet this other girl, and I don't want to tell you her name. So uh, she's brand new. She meets there. So I tried one more time. I went the third day, and uh, Angie's there. And so uh, I'm talking to her. And I'm starting to talk to her about the other lady that's kind of new there. And she's laughing, and, and she's, uh, she's answering my questions. You know, she's been working there for 14 years, and she opened this place and all that. And I thought, see, I'm trying to affect my personal culture. But I also met Kara and Jen and Laura. Oh, Laura, wow. So I met Laura. Laura was tired. And Laura says, I can just see her in the drive-thru window. She looked at me, and she said, why are you so dressed up? I tried to explain it, but uh, but it really wasn't about me. I told her I was a pastor, and I just left in a, uh, an event that I was a part of. And uh, she said, where are you, pastor? And I said, in, in Pekin. She said, I'm from Pekin. And she told me where she lived. It's not very far from here. Uh you know what? Every time I go in there, I look for Laura. I talk to her. The other day, uh, right after we got back, she uh, we ordered um, whatever curbside, you know. So I ordered stuff. So here comes Laura. She's bringing the stuff out, and and she looked around, and I could tell she's going to talk to me for a minute. I'm so excited. <laughs> so she's she's asking me a few questions, and she uh, she said, you know, I noticed you and your wife come in here, and you are always so nice. And patient and kind. You know, I know Brenda and Rhonda. Uh, all these people may not—they may not know me well, but I know them. You know what? I wrote their names down. You know, I know some uh, some guys. When I go to this one particular restaurant, I can—I know Sammy and I know Alejandro and I know Tony. And when I got it written, I got it in my phone, so when I get ready to go there, I click on that, and it reminds me, not that I need reminding. You notice I, I know all these names. But when I get to 100 or 200 names, I might need a little help. And so I got it written down. So I know that when I go walking in there, I'm going to build that connection. Think about this. How could God change your personal culture to connect with people, pre-believers? God is wanting you to meet them. So I'm, I'm talking about people at the cleaners. I'm talking about people that you meet walking your dog. I'm talking about whoever you come in to contact you in your life. Are, are you buying this today? That if we're going to reach the world out around us, we're not going to reach them simply by sitting in here. Oh, man, sitting in here is great. I need to be motivated. I need to be encouraged. I need to worship. But then we got to get out of here. And let something happen to our personal culture. Now, I know some of y'all. Some of y'all are thinking, oh, he's not talking to me. He's not thinking that I'm going to talk to anybody. Oh, come on. I'm not asking you to present the gospel to every person you meet. I'm just asking you to be kind and attentive to the people that are already in your life. Go to the same place several times. Eat it. I don't even have to tell you. I know y'all eat at the same place all the time. Meet some people there. Connect with them. I don't know who's going to come to Christ because of my personal culture, but I know they never will with me involved if I'm not loving and kind and caring and thinking about them and paying attention. To who they are. Would would you that's that's one of my fresh starts. And I'd love for it to be one of yours. For you to think about your culture, where you go, what you do. Now I was thinking about you know, there's probably people at your job that you never see. You never even see them. You just kind of go on your way. I, I don't know who it is that God might ask you to connect with, but I bet you there's an Angie. In your life. I bet you there's a Kevin and a Laura somewhere in your life. You might not be the ones to lead them to Christ, but wouldn't it be awesome if like 500 of us or 800 of us or however many, all of PFN network, if, if that's what we were known for? Kindness, loving, not just because we had to or it was something special, but just in the everyday culture of my life, that I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to pay attention. I want to tell you something. You'll forget about this about the time you go to lunch if you don't intentionally decide. So our responses today, they're on the bottom of your outline, but I'd love for you to mark them on the card if you're going to turn that card in. I will pray about and consider how God wants to change my personal culture. If God is going to change what we need to become as a church, he's going to start with you and me, right? He's going to start with changing our culture. You know, wouldn't it be be so exciting to me? Gordon, it'd be so exciting if somebody in the church came up to me and said, Hey, I went to this restaurant this week, and I met, said their name. Man, she was so open. She, it was such an opportunity to reach out to this person. Maybe this is something you do all the time, but I got, there's a good chance that you hadn't been doing it. Second response is, I will seek for God to use me to love those I come into contact with, to encourage them toward Christ through kindness. Jesus said, they will know we are Christians by our loud testimony. Nope. By the songs we sing? Nope. They were no we are Christians by our love, our attention, our kindness, our intentionality, all of us, all of us online. I challenge you to be that in the places that God allows you to go and the places that you live your life, personal culture. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for touching my heart. I want to tell you, Lord, even if nothing else changes, you change me. And if I'm the pastor and you're talking to me about this, I thank you that there's some people in my life that I have not paid attention to to, and I am sorry for that. I am sorry that I get wrapped up in myself and forget all about who I am. And Lord, all of those examples that we gave really didn't take any extra time at all. All it took was a change of culture, a change of attitude, a care for the people that are around us. Lord, I pray as boldly as I possibly can that in this church We would would see more people come to Christ than we ever have because of our connecting with people that are around us. Instead of us waiting for people to come and join us here, help us to be caring for them out there in the world around us. I'm I'm, I'm saying what Isaiah said. Who will go? He said... I said, we say, by send me, send us, use us, give us a fresh start. And for all these things, we praise you, Lord. Build your kingdom through us. In Jesus' name, amen.